Ladies and gentlemen, please prepare yourselves for a journey, not to a particular place, but to an unforgettable era. An era of make love, not war, and don't trust anyone over 30. An era of minis, middies, and maxis. An era when man first walked on the moon, and the hottest thing on earth was that brand new Mustang. And it was during this era that some of the very best music ever made was the soundtrack for our lives. Ladies and gentlemen, get ready for a trip back into time. Please welcome the Fab Five! Welcome to this week's One Day with Fab. I'm Ed Chan. And I'm Lonnie Pena. And back with us today, we have an old friend of the show, uh, Danny Christensen, George Harrison of the Fab Five. Hello, hey, Danny. Ed and Lonnie. How are y'all doing? Wonderful. So good to be talking to you again, Danny. Oh, it's, it's been so a while. It's good to be with you guys again. It has been a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah, we, we, were, we were all shoved into a little basement uh, a couple of years ago. I liked it. I was impressed. Hey, Rice University, come on, let's go. It was nice. <laughs> and of course, now nobody's allowed to be anywhere. So, isn't that the truth? Yeah, we're all in separate rooms, and I'm, right. I'm about two thousand miles away from you guys right now. I'm in Oakland. It's uh, and you guys are in Houston. You're in right. Houston, right, Danny, or Galveston? I'm, I'm actually in Pasadena. Pasadena, get down, Dina. That's right. Awesome. I've been here a real long time. When my wife and I first got married. We tried to be big shots, and, and I, ha- I had a house in Galveston. She had a house up here. How is she doing, by the way? She's much better. Uh, she had uh, a stomach issues, and she's good as new now. And Here's a shout-out to Kimberly. Hey, Kimberly. And so, you know, we're, we're fortunate enough that uh, some things are at least starting to come back, and you and Joe Biardi and the rest of the Fab Five are actually getting out a little bit. We are, and actually we've been so uh, blessed – through this whole thing, remember in the summer where it kind of went down just a little bit and things were coming coming back? We were in that, and every place we played is like a winery outdoors or an outdoor brewery where the social distancing. The, the ones that really, really got hit, all of our dates that were at clubs, your Moe's Irish pub type places and all that, those yeah. all went away. And we did a couple of private parties that were social distance and we did a more than a handful of live stream 
shows for different things. Say if we, we played this place in Umble that we've played for four years in a row, and usually it's in an auditorium with 500 to 700 people, and we did it virtually this year. So okay. that happened a few times. Okay, so, so that, that worked out pretty good then. Right. And there, there was a really nice show you, you guys did this summer for CAP, for the Citizens for Animal Protection. Oh, that was. And, man, they raised a lot of money. I mean, it, we were just a small part of it, you know. You know, it's mainly the silent auctions and stuff like that to raise money for the pets, fix up those animals. Yeah, that is awesome. Right. But you're so what's the status now of the Fab Five and playing? You still playing out? Yeah, the theaters, which are coming back a little bit, uh, nobody's going f- to full capacity. Right, right. It's just not safe. And uh, like a lot of entertainers, the Fabs are of the mind that we don't really want to be part of something that might get somebody sick. Feeling pretty fine. Hoping you are too. That's right. Well, the Fab Five are, is very much in the joy business. We're we're recreating a music, uh, a look, a sound, an attitude of our heroes. That you know, in case you didn't get to see the Beatles live on itself and or whatever, you know, uh, that's yeah. that's what we try to do, and we're, and we're really into it. That's kind of the motive behind all of it. The, the money will, will come later. You know, music's a tough game. You know, it's not for everybody. And uh, if I probably had a more marketable trade, I would try something else. But once again, the money seems to happen 
when you don't worry about it too much, when you're, when you're playing from the heart, when you're trying to make connections with people. And I, I know this sounds really corny, but it really is about if you have a craft that can bring joy and happiness, that's what I'm trying to do. That's what the Fab Five tries to do. And uh, the money's not the big concern because the, well, the money will come. Yeah. When, when you do what you're supposed to be doing. I agree with that. And you do bring joy. The band, that Beatle music and the tribute to the Beatles certainly bring joy. Every, every chance I, I had to see y'all play before the pandemic was always such a joyful time with friends and family. And even when we do the 60s show, you know, uh, and, and we get to play lovely stuff from Left Bank to the Rolling Stones to Dave Clark Five to... yeah. And then you you got your junk food rock that just feels great, <laughs> you know, moany moany or something like that. Man, it's just good fun. Yeah, you you mentioned your your happy half hour. Uh, you know, why don't you let the folks know a little bit about what you're thinking about and what you're trying to do with that? Okay, what happened is the Fab Five was playing with the Fab Five that didn't have a gig. Now this is last last year, January February. We were headed for the biggest year we've ever had financially average two shows a week maybe three every week it was beautiful in fact i didn't really have time to book myself as a soloist much then the pandemic started and the first concern it happened i think on a tuesday where texts were coming in and i sat there and i lost like four thousand dollars within 15 minutes and i'm thinking my god what am i going to do because, uh, you know, you plan your life around these dates that you plan. Right, right. The clubs that pay one thing, that's tragic enough. But then when you lose big money jobs that you're planning on, that's how you're making your house payment and your car payments and your insurance. And yeah. All yeah. that grown-up stuff. You know, it's frightening. When it started to kind of go away, I thought, my God, I'm going to forget how to play, you know. So she kind of encouraged me, well, look, let's, let's try this. We'll do a live show. And we didn't have any fancy equipment. We used an iPhone and uh, she aimed it at me and I started playing. And I was thinking, man, everybody that's got a guitar is doing this. I, I shouldn't even get into this. This is crazy. Plus, there's some people that really do it well. One of my gurus and good friends from 1970 on is Guy Schwartz. You know, he knows how to do this. He plays live on the internet all the time. And then there's other guys that are good that I admire. But I just decided, instead of being intimidated and being afraid of that, just jump into it. And you never know. So we got a little bit better. And Kim, she reads the comments and tells me who's coming in. And then we have a rapport and she is the uh, Ed McMahon to my Johnny Carson or <laughs> uh, my the Yoko to my John Lennon. I mean, we have a blast. So it's, it's a little comedy and we have a cocktail and uh, I play some songs and I, I keep all the song lists. So I know what song I played on whatever night. And it's not exactly because a lot of times I'll, I'll have a song on the list and not really feel it and I'll replace it. But the gist of it's there, and probably my more fun shows have been uh, John Lennon Birthday Night, which was all Lennon. And then I did an all George Night. I've done an all Neil Young Night. And probably the most fun for people, because 
you know, they're used to me doing so many Beatles was Tom Petty night. Everybody yeah. loves Tom Petty. too. I mean, he's a true rock and roll poet in the tradition of the Beatles. I think, I think that's why he hung with Harrison and the Wilburys was such a natural phenomenon yeah. that you'll hear dogs. I have rescue dogs here in the house. <laughs> Martha, my dear in the background. Yeah. You might hear a little bit. Well, uh, you got your guitar there with you. Uh, let's see. Do you want to start with the Wilburys number for us? I could. Usually I'll, I'll reach over to the 12 string, but I don't know really how that would sound. I'm just going to do it, uh, you know, on the acoustic if that's okay. Sure. It, it, it's your choice. Okay. Uh, I'm going to try a uh, handle with care. Everybody's got somebody to lean on. Everybody next to behind and dream on. I've been fobbed off and I've been fooled. I've been robbed and ridiculed. Take centers and night schools. few listeners so how, how can these listeners find the uh, danny happy hour 
Well, as y'all know very well, I'm not that technically inclined, but it's on Facebook, Facebook okay. Live on my page, and my name's Danny Christensen with a K, K-R-I-S-T-E-N-S-E-N. We'll post the link to it. If you want to give your Venmo now, uh, why don't you do that? Okay, it's Venmo at Danny Dash Christensen, 2490. So... You're a little bit older than than myself and Lonnie. Oh yeah. Today we're actually uh, celebrating the the anniversary of the big day. It's February the ninth here in our world. Somebody said that if music is your religion, this is like the holiest day. I was so close to taking a vacation, by the way, but I still work. <laughs> when they came out, because I'd already heard their records. In fact, in Galveston before. Ed Sullivan, we actually heard P.S. I Love You, and I believe it was Thank You, Girl, and Misery on a jukebox. Yeah, somebody brought it in from overseas. Wow. Great. Because yeah. it's a seaport. That's why. Uh, also why you, know, you kind of love Liverpool if you're from Galveston, because the same sort of stuff. When the world was listening to Tutti Frutti by Pat Boone, they, they played the real Tutti Frutti with Little Richard. And a blazing like R&B station, KCOH. Beatles would have liked to listen to that. It was awesome. Ray Charles was actually there around that time, right? I believe so. Probably a little before then. My mom had a great record collection. She liked doo-wop in the 50s. So we had impression records, platters, you know, some pretty cool stuff. Nope. Yeah, so so there was no problem with the with the so-called race records. You know, you didn't care, and that that's great. No, and, we, and we went to see James Brown and stuff, and and some people would thought, oh no, you you can't go there, and yeah, you can because music brought people together. It was well, what we're referring to here, just just to keep the audience intact here, that today is February the 9th. We're recording That's this. That's right. We didn't mention what happened. And, and this was, what, 50, how many years? 57? 57 now, yeah. And the Beatles performed the first Depp TV appearance on Ed Sullivan in the U.S. Because we do have some sweet Swedish listeners. So just FYI. Those are my people, you know. My people are from Norway. There you go. Right next door. Sweet. Okay, so you'd heard them. They were on a jukebox in '63, which is which is very cool. And they they actually got a little bit of airplay here in town, in like one of the charts from mid '63. I think for me to you was like in in the low 40s somewhere. The KMUZ yeah. chart. Probably so. Yeah, that sounds very correct. But uh, but I mean, what? of course, I want to hold your hand when that came out, and then like the next week or whatever, they were on. Ed Sullivan. I, I don't really know the timeline, but I know that my age, little kids, I mean, I was t- uh, nine years old, I think, in 1964. And uh, we lost our minds. And Monday, you went to work or school, in my case, and you talked about, did you see the Beatles last night? My mother liked them a whole lot, which I know some parents at the time didn't. I tell you what, Paul McCartney sealed the deal with There were bells on a hill But I never When she saw him sing a song from the music man She went, oh man, these guys are talented That made a connection with her It's more than just, yeah, 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 with these guys Oh yeah, yeah, 
man, they're, they're musical muscle. And I'm sure that comes from the cavern and, and Hamburg days having to play so much. Those guys were so, of course, we've all seen the tapes now. Yeah. You know, of how incredible they were. I mean, walking onto the biggest show in the biggest music market on earth and killing it. Oh, absolutely. Man, like, absolutely. Killed it. And uh, so. I mean, that those whole first three days from the time they got off the plane, you know, that press conference, you know, they were funnier than any comedy act you could you ever find. You can't write stuff like that. They were just so quick and so witty and, and uh, they all complimented each other's humor and stuff, you know, and right away you had the, uh, that, that was when. You know, Paul became the cute one and John, the intelligent one, and, right. and George, the quiet one, because George wasn't feeling well. <laughs> That's right. When, when they first got to New York. In fact, one of their photo shoots in Central Park, he stayed in the hotel room so he could do Sullivan. That's he was right. not well at all. And uh, and Ringo, which one is he? I love Ringo. Of course, at the time, he's the one that the girls all liked. You bet. Yeah. Because he's beating those pagan skins. <laughs> Everyone had their favorite Beatle. Yeah. I was a little too young to remember that myself. And um, I was six. And I have no memory yeah. of that first show. Really? But, but I remember vividly the 65 at Sullivan show. Oh, when they did Shea Stadium? When they did Ed Sullivan in 65. The, yeah, the, the, the last black and white Ed Sullivan in August of right. uh, 1965. Right. Well, Ed brought him on in 65 at the Shea stadium show as well. Yep. I always yeah. Thought that was an Ed Sullivan show. It wasn't, was that a special? What no, that was a special. And, and that Ed Sullivan couldn't even get it aired on CBS, which is something that always kind of amazed me. See, I don't remember. Where did it come on? ABC in, in January of 67. Like wow. two years later, right? It was like a year, two years. Yeah, because the show was in the show was in August of '65, then the film was ready by mid '66. But of course, John was in the middle of his uh, bigger than Jesus thing at the right. time, and and the networks were all kind of, well, I don't really want to show that now, but it's like. Ed Sullivan almost owned CBS at the time, right? And he could he could not get them to air the special. Yeah, that's crazy. But, well, th if you think about the time, though, to make a statement that John, I mean, I mean, he didn't even make that as a statement. It, the quote was taken out of context. Yeah, he was having just a conversation, and and it's not totally untrue what he was saying. I mean, he was talking about pop culture as opposed to traditional things, you know, it was, and he was very one handed remark, you know, just kind of flew off his head and out of his mouth and boy, they paid for it dearly. Now the, the cool thing about people burning all their records later, they bought them all back again. They bought them all back. So <laughs> absolutely. <know. clears throat> but it was a tragic time, man, especially playing the South. It wasn't a, yeah. Well, I mean, we we think about the way things have been over you know the last couple months. It's like that was very much a reflection of of those times, just as we're living through right now. Boy, you said it, brother. So, uh, so okay. I mean, uh, the other reason we brought you on is uh, uh, 
you know, we were talking about the cavern. We were talking about sort of Mersey beat and, and what the Beatles, uh, the era that they came up in, uh, and, and we're thinking about this because uh, Jerry Marsden of uh, Jerry and the Pacemakers just passed away. Yeah, what a lovely voice Jerry had. I mean, I I, I think I've already kind of mentioned it, but I wasn't a, a huge Jerry fan. But the songs like uh, You'll Never Walk Alone, the uh, Don't Let the Sun Catch You Crying. Yeah, beautiful and, song. Uh, and of beautiful. course, uh, How Do So uh, as we all know, the story is that George Martin had gone off and found this song for the Beatles. The Beatles did their demo of it, and they weren't real thrilled. they, They managed to convince George Martin, no, we want to release our own stuff. But George kept this song in the back of his of his mind. and He really believed in the song, and I don't even really know who wrote it. A professional songwriter, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. As opposed to somebody in a band. And the Beatles did it, which I don't know if you want to get to which version. We, uh, you know, we can talk about that in a moment. But looking back, George really wanted him to do this. How do you do? And then John goes, but we've got one. Please, please me. And, uh, you know that's a great song. <laughs> yeah, but but then then I mean George Martin figured it out. He said, "Well, okay, but you got to speed it up." You right. know, John was doing it slow at that yeah. point in time. Right, exactly. Raise the tempo, you know, get get some stomping behind it, then maybe it'll work. Being a producer myself, here's the deal. It's about the song. So, I mean, in Lennon's mind it was uh Kind of Roy Orbison, kind of you know grand and kind of uh, down tempo a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, come, come on, yeah. come on, come on. You know the, the Roy yeah. Orbison thing, exactly. And uh, so it's still a great song. So a suggestion like let's try it, speed it up a little bit. That was good, but it was still a great song. And of course, you know, we all know it. That tempo, and, and it'd be wrong if you didn't play it that tempo of now. Yeah. Uh, it was great. And so, what do you do? You got this song. How do you do? So, what do you do? You tell Brian Epstein, what you got, Epi? Do you have another band that would cut this song? Is And so, is that how Jerry got into it? The, exactly. I mean, the uh, Brian had bought Jerry in. He got them signed. He got George Martin to produce them. And George Martin said, okay, the Beatles didn't want to do this song. Listen to their demo and do it exactly this way. Although they didn't do it exactly the same way the Beatles did on their demo. Uh, Jerry Pacemakers had a little bit more production on it than the Beatles. So <laughs> I'll ask you gentlemen, which one do you prefer? Oh, well, that's a loaded question. Uh, I the, I would rather listen to the Beatles one, but I think the, the Pacemakers one is probably a better record. The, the Beatles were doing it a, a little bit down-tempo, like you say, almost a little bit blues. See, uh, and I, Jordan, I agree. I thought that it was a little bit more blues and, and a, a little bit more rocky. Right. In a way. And then mm-hmm. they were showing the uh, their Buddy Holly thing on the 
on that I forget the words on that part. Uh, uh, the end of that part. When they do kind of a Buddy Holly thing. It's just great. Yeah, it is. So, so you know, I'm a Beatle guy, and that's why I like their version better. But uh, Jerry did great, man. It is a, a great-sounding record, and George Martin definitely did his magic. And uh, Jerry's got a great voice. I mean, he's, he was great. What a loss. And there, that was actually one of their first uh, – they had a hit with that. Well, they had a number one. I yeah. mean, for some period of time in 63, it really was, is it going to be Jerry or is it going to be the Beatles who are going to be the hit act? Yeah. I didn't really realize that. Jerry uh, had less ambition to become this big global worldwide sensation. They came to America, but America was not really their summit. They wanted to be a big act in Europe, and, and, and they were happy with that. Right. And that was a number one hit in the UK. They actually never had a number one hit in the US. They came close. I think their highest was a number four. And Jerry was, of course, a, a very nice. I met him at a Beatle Fest a number of years ago, and just very briefly. But he, he was a, he was a very nice guy. That that kind of comes across. It's a shame that those uh, pacemaker records are no longer in print in their original form. Oh, really? You can't get them? I mean, you can't get them. There, there's a couple of hits collections that are out there in print, but the original albums, as they recorded them, the from '64 to '67, just are not in print. Wow, sad. Interesting. Okay. Years later, for the the soccer tragedy. Uh, Jerry contributed uh, a new version of uh, Ferry Across the Mersey, and Paul sang, sings on it. And we were in New York doing the Ed Sullivan show, and the Liverpool team were playing around America. So I said to Ed, there's a soccer team in here from England called Liverpool. Get them on stage, and they'll sing Walk Alone with me. He said, okay. So we got the whole team on the stage, and we sang Walk Alone on the Ed Sullivan show. Coming off, Bill Shankly said to me, Jerry, my son, I've given you a team, but you've given us a song. <laughs> Walk on through the wind. It's amazing when that whole stadium singing it. Well, I mean, that is the Liverpool football song. But yeah, the Beatles very clearly respected Jerry. And, and there's, there's a really neat story about... Uh, October 19th, 1961, when some people didn't show up in, in each of their respective bands, so they, they joined together and played as the beat makers. All right. I would have liked to have a recording of that. It just exemplifies everything that we have always heard about, you know, what was going on in Mersey Beat, that they all knew the same songs and they were all able to just sort of get together. I mean, of course... Any band who knows songs in common can do that, but can you do it well? Well, but we don't know because if you say, okay, say Private Numbers is playing at Sherlock's and Lonnie Pena comes in and we've all had a few pints and he gets up there and does, <laughs> you know, it's kind of the same yeah. thing where, yeah. you know, you kind of know the, some of the same songs. And yeah, I almost uh, grabbed that bass one time from uh, Bruce. 
I understand. I you know what? I've had some <laughs> friends and some enemies. I'd be in a club and I'd hear somebody singing on the go. Oh, I know that song. And I used to have a bad habit of just walking up and putting the singer on the spot, like going, yeah, I'm grabbing his mic going, is it okay if I sing? And, you know, while I'm horning it out of his, yeah. uh, you know, not my finest quality. <laughs> I did play with you guys at a yeah. wedding one time. Yeah. <laughs> and then after How Do You Do It, Lennon and McCartney actually offered Hello Little Girl to Jerry and the Pacemakers. So who wound up recording that? Follow that teenage beat group into that tailor's shop. Recognize the boys? A Mersey group called The Foremost at the London Tailor favored by a lot of the top beat combos. And Brian O'Hara gets one ahead of drummer Dave Lovelady for a fitting for his new suit. A got-to-be-with-it suit, one he can work in, because that's what these performers come here to get. Billy Hatton's itching to practice a bit of his clowning, and Taylor Dougie Millings gives guitarists, like Mike Millwood, a place on the premises where they can rehearse while their smart suits are cut and fitted. So the Taylor men can get their own private performance of a song that's hitting the pop high spots. Hello, little girl. Billy J, he actually cut, do you want to know a secret, before the Beatles did. Yeah. You guys had their moments. I forget. Yeah. I forget some of their songs, but uh, the didn't they do? Little children. Listen to Do you want to know a secret? They had another real, really big one. Yeah, bad to me. To me. Uh, and then Billy J actually had a number one single with Bad to Me back with uh, I Call Your Name. So it was Lennon McCartney on both sides of the single. Who did From a Window? Was that Billy J? Isn't that a Beatles song? Or yeah, that, that's a Lennon McCartney song. Yep. This is before yeah. your time, guys, and I mean that with all respect. I'm just, you know, old. But when you're learning to play guitar, there was these Beatles songbooks, and one was It's For You, which was yeah. later oh, yeah. cut by Three Dog Night. I've never even heard that song done. Was, Remember uh, in the 80s, Monty, uh, yeah. all the Beatles bootlegs going around? Like, Oh, like, yeah. Man, have you heard this? You know, they were bootlegs, but we weren't into it for the money. We were just sharing these uh, priceless cuts that yeah, these somehow cassette. got out of the vault. <laughs> Playlist. Yeah. Incredible. I mean, yeah, I just yeah. Uh, looked it up. Billy J did record From a Window, which was a uh, Lennon and McCartney, but written by P McCartney, but attributed to Lennon and McCartney. Right. So anyway, yeah, Jerry, Jerry and the Pacemakers did record uh, Hello, Little Girl, but they did the same thing the Beatles did. They went to George Martin and said, well, we'd rather <laughs> record one of our own. And so they did. And we actually didn't get the Pacemakers version of uh, Hello, Little Girl until the a compilation in the 80s. It sounds like just the Beatles music. <laughs> so, you know, what's weird is uh, I know how I felt about it as a child. It was Beatles all the way. These other bands I didn't really care about. But then going back and listening to it, I think that's what every artist goes through. There's always like a Beatles or a Guns N' Roses or whoever mm -hmm. that... You jump on that. Uh, being a songwriter, and a, uh, I, you know, like I said, I got my first record deal with 1900 Storm in, in 1969. And then later you try to get a deal. And when you're dealing with all these record companies, a lot of people will say, well, yeah, but it doesn't sound like anything on the radio. So there was 
a time back then, especially when I started, there were professional songwriters and professional producers, and the band just came in and kind of did their thing. Yeah, I was at the tail end of that uh, machinery where, like I think on our first record, Rob Landis from the Fever Tree played keyboards. Uh, Rock Romano and Sam Irwin were our producers that basically taught me how to sing on a mic. Get up here and you sing it like this. And you're just a kid, so you kind of do what you're told and all that. Then you get a little success and you write a few songs and you go, well, I think we should do it this way. But there's always that pressure to sound like what is successful. And I didn't know how to feel about the other Brian Epstein bands that, you know, they're definitely Beatlish. But I like the Beatles. So is that a good thing or a bad thing? Like, should they have been pushed into a totally different direction? Or I think Brian uh, Epstein was doing his best to try to recreate a winning formula, an undeniable winning formula. Well, with the clothes and with the, the stage presence and all that, I'd agree with you. The music, I think that's kind of just what was coming up in Liverpool. You know, they all had the same basic background. Exactly. They were all playing in the same clubs in Liverpool to more or less the same audiences, and, and they all went to Hamburg. Right. And you know who drives that point home well? Joe Brown. When they ask him about, man, you, you mean the Beatles opened for you? And and he'll he'll tell you, no, we were just all bands. We all opened for each other, and we hung out and, you know, did stuff and spent time and shared ideas. So, yeah, I can see that being a very organic Liverpool thing that uh, Mr. Epstein's, you know, smart enough to, to package right. Yeah, well, there was know? just, you know, Lennon McCartney started writing songs, and it was just something just extraordinarily unique about that partnership. It's a once in a lifetime. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they basically started because all the bands on these bills were all playing kind of the same songs. And they said, well, we'll play stuff that nobody knows. <laughs> you know? Let's see. You got, you got something else you want to do for us, Danny? Well, my mind is on Jerry and, and I'd like to sing a song for you that I've never sung, but almost endless summer the band that I was in before uh, I joined the Fab Five, Richard Morant, who's fr from London, used to sing this. And we would do this Jerry and the Pacemakers song. And in the midst of being, we were mainly like a Beach Boy type band, but we did this kind of stuff too. So I hope I can remember the chords. And Richard always sang this, but it's wonderful. I thought I'd do Don't Let the Sun Catch You Crying. the sun catch you crying the night's the time for all your tears your heart may be broken tonight but tomorrow in the morning light don't let the sun Catch you crying. The nighttime shadow disappears. 
with them go all your tears for the morning will bring you joy for every girl and boy don't let the sun catch you crying we know that crying's not a bad thing but stop your crying when the birds sing it may be hard to discover that you've been left for another but don't forget love's a game and it can always come again oh but don't let the sun catch you crying the sun catch you crying oh no 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 sweet Fun. very nice never sang that before but i heard my my mate richard sing it so many times yeah that is awesome love it love it so all right you uh, have any updates on where the fab five are playing you just in case anybody happens to be around the area and might want to well we be have on the lookout for parents uh this saturday night uh, our keyboard player jimmy dell's wife is going into labor that night and we have paul byron gonna sit in on keyboards with us and paul used to play with the fab five and so that's going to be fun. And on my Happy Half Hour show tomorrow night, Paul Byron's going to be my guest. I do have musical guests every once in a while. I've only had six out of 128 shows, but they're, they're multiple appearance type things. Now, do you have a but, schedule for your happy hour? Is it in a certain time? Yes, it every is. Every week? It's every week. It's Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 6.30 p.m. Uh, Central Standard Time. The only time I don't show up is if the Fab Five plays on a Friday night. My money and my uh, audience totally understands that, and uh, like when, and also when my wife was in the hospital, of course I didn't do the show because I was yeah. there with her. If you go to www.thefab5.net, the numeral five. Yes. Do you have gigs booked through April, or how far out? On and off all year through uh, 2021. That's awesome. One of the problems is as we get closer to it, stuff is canceling. See, like we didn't know the whole year was shot till we got about a month or two ahead of when the date was supposed to happen. You're going to pay mega bucks. It's a big production, a big social affair. You get close to the date and they're not going to do it. Well, especially like New Year's Eve. I mean, that that's always been a big night for you guys. And Absolutely. I'm- that's the biggest night of the year for any entertainer. But it's just better to, to, to not do it. Well, you know, and, and most of our clients and buyers are, are real responsible. That the, They wouldn't want to do anything to hurt their people either. So as we get more vaccinated and things open up a little bit more, it'll get better. This isn't going to last forever. You right. want to do one more song before we close off here? Sure. I thought I'd do the Billy J. Kramer song. 
that the Beatles did later. And uh, and Beatle George sang it. <laughs> You'll never know how much I really love you. You'll never know how much I really care. Listen, do you want to know a secret? Do you promise not to tell? Whoa, whoa. Let me whisper in your ear Say the words you love to hear I'm in love with you Listen Do you want to know a secret? Do you promise not to tell? Closer let me whisper in your ear Say the word you long to hear I'm in love with you Ooh, I've known a secret for a week or two Nobody knows, just we two Listen Do you want to know a secret? Promise not to tell Whoa, closer Let me whisper in your ear Say the words you long to hear I'm in love with you Thank you very much, Danny. It's uh, oh, that's yes. just a taste of it. Thank you, uh, Lonnie. Thank you all very much for having me tonight. Just a taste of what you'd get when you see Danny and Joe and our other friends in the Fab Five if you happen to be in the uh, Texas, Louisiana area. We'll add in support your uh, local musicians. You know, uh, it's, been, you. it's been a hard I, time this, this last year, and everybody needs all the help they can get. Well, we keep sending love out there and, and uh, you know, the more love you send out, the more you get back. And, and uh, I appreciate it for everybody hanging in and, you know, checking out the happy half hour show as opposed to live performances. Anyway, my virtual tip jar is Venmo at Danny dash Christensen two, four, nine, zero PayPal at KMK. 504 at sbcglobal.net and that's my story and i'm sticking to it all right lonnie and i and maybe ethan will be back next week with the new show thank you all for having me i had a lovely time we're honored to have you on danny old friend of mine and i wish you well and uh be safe and go out and uh, uh spread some joy in this world with beautiful music and we won't we won't wait eighteen months to have you back again. Thank you, thank you. I'll play ukulele next time. All right, thanks everybody. Be safe. Good night, guys. Thank you.
Subscribe to When They Was Fab on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, or wherever finer podcasts are found. Please join our Facebook group, and we can be reached at When They Was Fab and on Gmail. The opening theme was written, produced, and recorded by Jay Young Kim, Feaster Famine Studios, San Francisco, California. I got a Beatles song for you. What a surprise. Not not She Loves You. Um, although, God, last night at rehearsal, it, it kicked serious butt. She Loves You in particular. Uh, everything was good. We just ran through everything to make sure we remember. Fab Five hadn't played in a couple of months. And uh, we're ready. We're, we're ready. Anyway, we did re- rehearse this one last night, so Beetle George will do this one tomorrow night. All right, Beetle George. Before this dance is through, I think I love you too. I'm so happy when you dance with me. I don't want to kiss or hold your hand. If it's funny trying to understand There is really nothing else I'd rather do Cause I'm happy just to dance with you I don't wanna hug or hold you tight I just wanna dance with you all night In this world is the thing I would rather do Cause I'm happy just to dance with you So happy when you dance with me If somebody tries to take my place Just we just can't see his face If this world is the thing I would rather do Cause I'm happy just to dance with you Just to dance with you It's everything I need Before this dance is through I think I love you so happy when you dance with me If somebody tries to take my place Let's pretend we just can't see his face In this world is the thing I would rather do I've discovered I'm in love with you Cause I'm happy just to dance with you I tell you one thing, there's sickness going on and there's some good people doing work in hospitals, but they got no bread to do it on. Not only are they working in a miserable condition with sick people, but they're, they're scraping the barrel for funds to keep going.